Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. A New York judge on Friday formally ordered Donald Trump to pay $454 million, including interest, a move that will give the former president one month to post nearly half a billion dollars to appeal the fraud verdict. Meanwhile, New York Attorney General Letitia James told ABC News on Tuesday that she will seek to seize some of the former president's assets if he's unable to cover the bill from Judge Ingeron's February 16th ruling. With us now to discuss the ruling and how the former president plans to respond is Will Scharf. He is the former federal prosecutor and conservative activist who is also a Republican candidate for the Missouri Attorney General. During the Trump administration, Scharf worked to support conservative judicial nominations, playing an instrumental role in the confirmations of the Supreme Court justices such as Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, as well as dozens of conservative lower court judges. Scharf was also involved in developing strategies for significant constitutional litigation, including important First Amendment and religious liberty cases, and was a portfolio manager for a major foundation. As a federal prosecutor assigned to the Violent Crimes Unit in one of America's most dangerous cities, in two and a half years, Scharf led the prosecution of over 100 federal felony cases, ranging from firearms and drug cases to carjackings, bank robberies, escapes from custody, and at every stage from initial investigation through appeal. He was undefeated at trial and in argued motions during that time. Will, thanks for joining us this evening. Yeah, that's a heck of an introduction. You kind of read my whole bio there. I, uh, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Well, hey, when you're that good, it deserves to be read, man. <laughs> Thank, thanks for coming on and sharing with us a little bit about what's going on. No, uh, I, I appreciate y'all having me. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. I, I would say this New York judgment, uh, the entry of judgment obviously was was expected. Uh, appeal bonds are routine in cases like this. There's nothing out of the ordinary happening here. The only thing out of the ordinary is Letitia James, the radical leftist attorney general in New York, continuing to politically posture 
uh, around this case that she's brought and uh, trying to turn this into, you know, basically a, a, a political move where uh, whereas normally you would think that a prosecutor should uh, think that their cases are, are non-political, that they're just uh, based on the law and based on an even-handed application of the law. That's obviously not what we've seen here. And, and she's been projecting this lawsuit since before she was even elected. I mean, it, it we've known this was coming. We knew this was going to be the outcome. And, and man, it's just literally nakedly political to most yeah, of it's, us. It's, it's really outrageous. I mean, when she was running for office, as you said, she literally said, that she was running for office because she wanted to sue Donald Trump and that she was going to go after his business and go after his money. Um, now, you know, as a prosecutor, you're, you're supposed to be guided by the facts. You're supposed to be guided by, uh, by crimes. You're supposed to uh, base, your, base your cases on, on you know, the facts on the ground, not by a political motive to go after a particular person, which is clearly what's going on here. And uh, this case, this New York civil case, has just been highly irregular from the start. It was assigned to a judge who doesn't sit in the commercial division, uh, which is the court that would usually take a case of this complexity. Uh, that judge, Arthur Ngoron, has been overturned, I believe, twice on appeal by the New York appellate divisions uh, on interlocutory appeals as the case has proceeded. Uh, so, you know, we're obviously going to appeal. Uh, President Trump is going to have many more days in, in court, many more opportunities to overturn this judgment. And uh, I'm, I'm hopeful, just given the irregularities of this case from the start, uh, that those appeals will be successful. Well, yeah, how do they even justify? I mean, the, the fine imposed in this civil trial, uh, much of it decided by a judge without any other inputs, uh, and the amounts is, I mean, that's a huge chunk of, of uh, Trump's net worth. I mean, it, it seems like it's not only wrongly decided, but draconian at best, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, whether it's a constitutional excessive fines uh, type claim or, or any number of other claims, at the core of this case, and it's really important to focus on this, this may be the first fraud trial in American history, certainly of its scale, where the supposedly defrauded parties testified on behalf of the defendant. I mean, what Tish James and her team have alleged here is that President Trump overstated how much money he was worth, how much his different properties were worth. And as a result, that constituted a fraud on the banks and insurance companies that he was doing business with. Those banks and insurance companies all testified that these were great loans, that they were paid on time, that President Trump was a great guy to do business with, and that they would do business with him again. Uh, so you don't have a defrauded party here, which makes it tough to see how there was a fraud amounting to hundreds of millions of dollars uh, that, that should be actionable in the courts. Uh, that's why I say that you know, just looking at this case as a whole, I think it's ripe for appeal. I think it's going to be appealed aggressively. And I think Tish James is spiking the football too soon. I think it's going to come back to haunt her in the end. Well, and, and prominent business figures have spoken out against this, saying that these sorts of actions will scare investment away from New York, uh, as no one will want to take the risk of being subjected to this sort of mistreatment by the legal system. I mean, if I recall, Shark Tank's Kevin O'Leary told Fox News earlier this week that no developer will want to do a business in New York after this. Yeah, I think you'd be crazy to. Uh, and, and look, Tish James d did essentially the same thing to the NRA. I mean, she dragged them through the courts and, and, you know, they just had a judgment entered against them. But at every opportunity, she has weaponized her attorney general's office to pursue and go after conservatives. If you're a conservative businessman, if you're a businessman who, let's say, contributes to Republicans and you live in New York, are you willing to take the risk that Tish James, this radical leftist attorney general, is going to pick you as her next target. 
And I think that's why folks like Kevin O'Leary and any number of other prominent business people are saying that this is going to seriously cripple New York's ability to attract capital, to attract investors, to attract people to do business there. Because I, I think if you're a, if you're a conservative, if you're, if you're an out and open conservative, you'd be crazy to put yourself under her jurisdiction right now. Yeah, absolutely. We're visiting with the former President Trump's personal attorney, Will Scharf. Now, uh, it sounds like you believe this, but do you believe that these fines will actually be enforced? Or do you think they'll be thrown out on appeal? No, look, I think we have very strong grounds for appeal, and, and we're pursuing uh, pursuing every option in, in that vein. Um, but, you know, again, with case after case after case with President Trump, we've heard the leftist media breathlessly cover allegations and breathlessly cover, you know, each passing development. And it's, oh, it's always, oh, this is going to be the thing that, you know, where they finally get Donald Trump. And it never happens because these cases are all at the end of the day baseless. We saw just the other week this prosecution in Georgia uh, absolutely implode in Fonnie Willis's face. The, the Fulton County DA who hired her secret lover to prosecute Trump and paid him a million dollars. And now they've both you know, committed perjury on the stand about any number of issues. I mean, the whole situation is just laughable. Uh, but at the core of this is, I believe, a concerted plan by Joe Biden and his political allies to interfere with President Trump's ability to run for president, to interfere with the ability of the American people to fairly choose their next president. And that's really what's at stake here with all of these cases. It goes well beyond you know, President Trump and, and his interests uh, in being vindicated in court. I think this is really about vindicating core constitutional principles and the way that we do government and politics in the United States of America. I mean, the weaponization of law enforcement by the Biden administration and their allies to pursue their political opponents, their principal political opponent and President Trump, it's just outrageous. It should outrage all Americans, right and left. Well, and it certainly doesn't seem to be uh, really making a difference when it comes to the people. It seems like the people recognize exactly what's happening. They're simply not standing for it. President Trump said the other week that if they want to make sure he wins the election, they should in indict him another couple of times. Every time, what, every time one of these cases gets brought, his poll numbers seem to spike. We obviously saw him crushing Nikki Haley down in South Carolina uh, on Saturday night, and I think he's, he's going to have a lot more successes. Uh, in the weeks to come. And I think that's why we see this sort of degree of desperation on the left to to get him through these, you know, extra political means through the weaponization of our legal system, uh, because they know in a fair fight next November, President Trump is going to trounce President Biden. And uh, it's not even going to be close. So they've got to try to find other means to beat him, not at the ballot box. And I think that's just sad. That is absolutely sad. Now, Will, you're running for Missouri, uh, Missouri Attorney General, which I think is fantastic. And, and if folks want to connect with you or if they want to help with your campaign for Attorney General, or, or more importantly, if they want to donate, because we all know that's an important <laughs> part of this process, um, they can find you online at votesharf.com and on Twitter slash X at at Will Sharp, is that correct? Yep, that's right. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Truth Social, all at Will Sharp. Man, fantastic. Well, well, thank you for joining us, and best of luck in your attorney general race coming up. Really appreciate it. Have a good night. Thanks, Will. Chief Joe Sullivan is with us in studio, and he was the Philadelphia he was with the Philadelphia Police Department for more than twenty five years before moving to Wichita. Sullivan was hired to lead the Wichita Police Department in December. Uh, the, in 2022 at a challenging time for the agency. And we're very happy to have him with us this evening, Chief. Thanks for joining us. Well, good evening, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you're, uh, you're, you're a little over a year into leading the Wichita Police Department. How's it going so far? 
I think it's going very well. I, I, I feel we had a really good year. We got a lot done, especially in terms of recruitment. Um, we, we went in and we fixed a lot of the structures that were broken in terms of how we conduct our internal investigation, how we administer discipline to make sure that it's fair and it's equitable throughout the department. These were some of the significant issues that were raised in the Jensen Hughes report. And we're making great great strides there and implementing the, that, the recommendations made in that report. We have 23 completed. We have 23 in progress, and we have eight under review. And we're currently in contract with the, negotiate, with, with the FOP for the new contract, and we're working on implementing uh, the remaining, which requires uh, negotiation with the FOP. So um, I, I feel we, we, we brought back the night lieutenant. We have night detectives. Um, I'm very, I was sorry, very, very sorry to see the increase in homicides last year, which for the most part was a result of an unusual number of DV and intimate partner violence. Um, but I'm very proud of the department and the fact that we have a 95% clearance rate, which would be among the highest in the country. We've done a lot in, in terms of training um, in, in getting the department back into training at all levels. In fact, uh, Deputy Chief Duff is on, en route to Washington, D.C. to uh, complete the Pelly program, Police Executive Law Enforcement Leadership Program uh, uh, that is put on by uh, the Police Executive Research Forum. So, But all throughout the department, we're about to begin ABLE training. We just uh, finished ICAT training, which is a de-escalation training. where We're in the process of distributing new tasers, the Taser 10, yeah. which is the latest and the greatest, which which will make things safer for our officers by allowing them to engage people with weapons or blunt or uh, uh, blunt weapons from a, from a much further distance, from 40 feet, as opposed to 21, um, and they'll give them the opportunity to follow up the initial two deployments with eight more, and which also means that we'll have the ability to, uh, or we'll, we'll lessen the necessity to have to escalate the level of force by giving the officers that option. So um, we're, we're getting new body-worn cameras yeah. that will be of a better quality. So the amount of technology that, that you'll see in the next couple months is I'm really happy about, and, um, and, and, I, and I think it's good for the morale of our department. Yeah, sounds like it. I've, uh, I've been the unlucky recipient of uh, TASER training three <laughs> different times, and after the third time, I just decided I was done with that. It ain't happening anymore. So you, you talked about the murder rate last year. It certainly doesn't sound like we're off to a good start this year. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's really disheartening. Um, we, are, we are at 11, which is significantly higher than this time last year. Um, but the, the, and, and the, some, the somewhat confusing uh, uh, fact is that overall violent crime is down 12% year to date for, compared to last year. Rape is down 25%, robbery is down 22%, aggravated assault 9%, but we've had this spate of, of really tragic homicides. Just yesterday morning, I was at the scene of the double homicide, and that individual was in custody. We have all of the homicides that have occurred this year are solved. We have, we have someone in custody, but what, one of the things that disturbs me is the number of the defendants that are on some type of either parole or pretrial release and that's something I think that we need to discuss uh, in terms of, you know, I, I, I realize that people have a right to, to have uh, parole hearings. Uh, and I know that we can't keep everyone in jail until they have their trial. But we, but we need to look at how are we making these decisions 
I think that I, I believe that the city of Wichita is going to hold me accountable, and, and as they should, mm-hmm. for the conduct of my officers. But it is a criminal justice system. So I would like to see everyone held accountable uh, the same way that I will continue to hold the members of the Wichita Police Department accountable. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, Wichita has now had five shootings uh, just this past week alone. And um, I reached out to you earlier this week when you expressed quite a bit of frustration over a Tuesday shooting that resulted in the death of a one-year-old. Um, the department released last year's deadly and non-fatal shootings that, that they were up. Um, I mean, what else can we do? What what can we do? I mean, um, not only the citizens, but the legislature as a whole. Well, you know, we, we had the, the terrible shooting of the woman in the pickup truck with with her husband. And up until then, we were really getting some uh, bad bail decisions. And again, I, I want to be clear. People have a right to bail. Absolutely. And, and we don't want people that are committed property crimes to be be held awaiting trial. We want bail to be to, um, given out equitably and not people with money are the only ones that can get out on bail. But what I'm talking about is when you commit a crime with a gun, when, you, when you've shot somebody, you've killed somebody, and you have a previous criminal history, that bail has, has to reflect the fact that this is not the, your first bite at the apple. So um, that's important, but also – but when people are out on the street, you know, just putting an ankle monitor on someone is not enough, Absolutely. especially when they're out there for a violent crime. We have to do more to monitor them. And, and we, we, we just had a meeting with KDOC Parole, and we're going to work together on that. We have great people here who do that, um, and they want, they want to partner with us so we can spend more time jointly um, visiting people that are on parole, and that's something that I intend to do. But um, but we need to see how those decisions are being made because that's what, well above my grade, and and we have to be, keep an eye on the bail decisions. We got well, in in the murder, uh, the the terrible murder of the one year old. You know, the, the judges came through, and all three defendants are being held on one point five million dollars bail, which I think is appropriate yeah. for the crime that was committed, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, I know. In some of those decisions, some of those cases, we have seen very low bail, which is, as you know, fully at the discretion of the judge hearing that, uh, that ultimately sets that bail. Well, and there are, there's also bail sta- standards for the case, state of Kansas, which, which are, which do make it difficult for judges, um, except, but, but in these egregious type of crimes, it does give them the flexibility they need to, to put bail at, at the level that it should be. And I also know that there, there are some important bail re- reform measures that are going through the House and the Senate right now, and they are moving forward, and uh, we in law enforcement are very grateful for that. Excellent. We're visiting with uh, Wichita Police Chief Joe Sullivan here this evening. So, Joe, I mean, many gun control advocates say the solution is gun control, red flag laws. I mean, some have actually called for gun confiscation in some states. What has your experience been? I know you have a wealth of knowledge from other perspectives on that topic. Well, you know, I, I think you just kind of hit it on the head. The problem is extremism. You know, we got to find ourselves somewhere in the middle. I'm a gun guy. I'm, I'm not going to surrender my, my right to have a gun, but I also believe that I have a responsibility to my fellow citizens. I keep my guns safe. When my gun's not on me, my gun is secured. I don't keep guns around small children um, where, where they can access them. And, and I think that's where 
we both sides need to come to the table and realize that we have to be reasonable, that, that law-abiding citizens have a right to have a firearm, they have a right to protect themselves. And I think Kansas laws are, are in, in regard to that, they, they do uphold that right for people to defend themselves. So that part's good. Um, yeah. I think we should be willing to, look, to, 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 do, some, uh, to do some research and, and, and really determine whether, you know, I was reading about active shooter and, you know, the, the current research is very all over the place about that. So we don't want to take people's rights away unless we can really demonstrate that that's going to have uh, some impact. And and so I I yeah well criminals don't care about the laws I mean that that's ultimately why they're criminals right well that's correct that's <laughs> correct but and that's where I get into why I don't leave my gun in my car yeah. and that's why I, I don't Certainly. leave my because I don't want a criminal getting my gun especially using it against a citizen of Wichita or a member of my department um, but that doesn't mean that I feel that people don't have a right to have a gun. Well, and, and it's incumbent on adults and parents to make sure their kids are educated. You know, I'm a, I'm a board member of the Kansas State Rifle Association. We passed legislation last year that would have required, or not required, but actually allowed schools to teach the Eddie the Eagle NRA gun safety program. Sadly, that was uh, vetoed by the governor, uh, and so hopefully we'll take another crack at that. But But that is something that we can do. We can educate. We can inform. We can be involved. I taught my son gun safety. He's he's now federal law enforcement. He's a SWAT member and a sniper. Um, but I'm very proud of the fact that you know I told him at a very young age. But we have to remember that not only not all children are fortunate to have someone like that in their life. Excellent. So there are a lot of moving parts, and law enforcement has really. Um, I mean, they've been under a lot of heat over the last couple of years. Do you feel that that there's that there's a turn? I know for me personally, I'm a strong supporter of law enforcement. My son-in-law is a police officer. Uh, up in Heston, grateful for the work that he does, and all our men and women in uniform. Are, are we seeing a shift um, back to, to being supportive of law enforcement? Or are you guys still facing an uphill battle when it comes to um, just just the public perception? Well, you know, I, I th- first of all, let me tell you, coming from Philadelphia to Wichita, I mean, it's been fantastic. The majority of people here support law enforcement, but they want good and expect good law enforcement as they should. Um, but they're extremely reasonable. Um, but I also would say to you that um, from an uh, just got, I just got back from major city city chiefs recently, where I have the opportunity to talk to the chiefs of the other largest departments in in the United States. And I, I would say there's a shift. People are are got, are becoming fed up uh, with the fact that that crime is rampant. Um, thank God that hasn't happened here. But you know, there's a difference between a reformer and an activist, and and I think that's the distinction that I make. I mean. You know, right. there's a small group of people here that I actually don't think they want me to make improvements in the Wichita Police Department because even when I make improvements, they still comp- they still complain. But they are a very, very small number of people. One of the reasons why, you know, I, I, I can't tell you the last time I actually had a day off, but it doesn't matter to me because I absolutely love this job. Yes, sir. This is an amazing community. Uh, the support here is incredible. I was with just last night. I mean, we were at an incredible event, and you can see that you have a community that wants better. They want safer communities, and they're willing to work hand in hand with the with the police department to make that happen. So, uh, I mean, it, it's just a pleasure to work here, and it's a pleasure to be the chief of the Wichita Police Department. Wow. And I got to tell you, the men and women in this department—it's uh, the first thing I noticed when I got here. They 
they were grateful for, for new leadership and new ideas, and all they want to know is that they'll be treated fairly, and that there'll be one set of rules for everybody, and, and that's all they expect. I hold them to a high standard. I'm tough, but they're fine with that because everyone is held to the same standard. Everyone is treated fairly, and, and that's really – I was really happy to see that because they hold themselves to a very high standard. Majority really love this department. It means the world to them. So the changes that we're making, the improvements that are happening, they're really excited about it. Recruitment is is up. We have 34 in the police academy right now. Oh, that's fantastic. We're looking for an, a class of at least that size for July. With that, that number is coming down. It's just unfortunately I'm playing catch-up. There wasn't really a, a recruitment strategy in place. It takes six months in the academy. It takes another six months in field training. So – uh, it's going to take us about another year, but a year from now, I think we'll be in really good shape. And then it's my intention to grow the department because if you look at the size of our of our city and the poverty rate and the crime rate, and you compare that to similar cities, we we, we are understaffed, even if even at our author, current authorized strength. And that would be my goal is to grow the department. Oh, excellent. Well, sounds like you're doing a, a fantastic job. I know that the men and women of the Kansas Legislature truly support. Uh, our men and women in law enforcement are grateful for the work that you're doing. Again, visiting with Wichita Chief Police, uh, Joe Sullivan. We had a caller uh, on the line, Jordan, who was talking about bail for, for violent criminals. I mean, we know the Constitution guarantees a right to bail mm-hmm. uh, because ultimately you are innocent until you are proven guilty. But talk a little bit about you know that, that probable cause, right? You're just not arresting people and putting them in jail without some rational reason to do so, and, and how should that how should that crime impact what that bail is set at? Well, uh, we, we we arrest people, but that when they're they're not charged until we make a, a detailed resentment to the district attorney, and we'll be making that resentment Monday on the homicides that occurred yesterday. So there is a set of checks and balances, and we have a fantastic DA here in Wichita in Sedgwick County. Absolutely. He holds them. He holds us to a very high standard. So, um, to get charges approved, we have to bring a strong case. And in most cases, when someone is arrested, I mean, they should be given bail. But what I'm saying is when it's, when it's a serious crime of murder or attempted murder, a crime with a gun, the courts are supposed to look at the present case, but they're also supposed to look at past criminal history past incidents of failure to appear for court and you can set a bail but the, the, the point is to set a bail at a level which will ensure that person uh, um, shows up for court absolutely and, and Sir, those, nice. yeah in those cases it needs to be a high bail absolutely you know, you're dealing with criminals and and some of those folks just uh, simply need to be in jail i mean that's why we have and if jail. they're already wanted for for a previous crime that's supposed to be factored in too and, absolutely and i was glad to see that happen in the in the case of the one-year-old. All right, Chief. Well, if folks want to connect with you, they can find you on uh, Twitter slash X at Joe underscore P underscore Sullivan, or they can reach out to you online at wichita.gov. Is that correct? Absolutely. Go on our website. Uh, I, I created a website so that people can send me emails, and we respond to each and every one. We appreciate your suggestions, criticisms, compliments, uh, but we, we want to hear your feedback. Well, Chief, thanks again for joining us, my friend. We are so blessed to have great law enforcement and, and you as Wichita Police Chief. 
Jeff Easter is our Central County Sheriff. Fantastic partner. Mark Bennett is our District Attorney. Outstanding. Man, we've got some great Tony folks Mativi here. Tony Mativi up in KBI. Tony uh, Mativi, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Colonel Eric Smith with KHP. Fantastic. Bringing air support back to Wichita yes, here real yes, soon. Sir. Real excited to have that. Well, thank you again very much for being here. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Each week during the legislative session, we bring you an update from Topeka on the latest bills and activity from our state capitol. With us now to bring us this week's Under the Dome legislative update is my friend, and the Speaker of the House, Dan Hawkins. Mr. Speaker, thanks for joining us. Stephen, how you doing? Man, if I were any better, I'd be twins. I'm having such a good time here. This is fantastic. Yeah, I've listened to it tonight. You, uh, you've covered quite a quite a amount of territory today. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of great things going on. John, are you having a... I think John's over here <laughs> having a really good time. I don't know. You know, one of those things, people ask how I'm doing. And I got to say, you know, we're truly blessed, aren't we, to be able to 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 be in Topeka and to be able to move the good work of the state of Kansas forward. And it, it is it is truly an honor to be able to do so. It's uh, it's, it's certainly frustrating uh, that we had a tax bill that didn't go so well last week, did we? You know, uh, you're absolutely right. I don't. Uh, people don't realize uh, really what it's like to be in Topeka. I, I wish everybody had a chance to come up and be a representative, you know, for a term. Uh, because number one, they would learn just how hard it is to get legislation passed. They would learn. They would learn how it is truly a team sport. It's not an individual sport. If you try to do things yourself, you're probably going to fail. Uh, we've, you, you have to have all hands on deck to get things done. And, and, and you're right. This week was, a was really, um, the start of it anyway, we, anyway, was, was pretty, uh, disappointing. Um, you know, we, we thought that we had the votes, uh, had no idea, uh, that two of our, uh, conservative side, uh, were going to vote against it. Uh, I guess, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised in, 
And, and generally, I would tell you, I'm usually not surprised at anything and certainly not shocked because we do see a lot of things up there. Uh, but, you know, I was pretty surprised at that one and, uh, and, and certainly disappointed that we could not get the uh, tax relief package across to the Senate and give them a chance. Um, but, you know, I've been there long enough now that I don't ever get uh, too wrapped up for very long in in our losses. Uh, we move on really quick and, and start working on the next one. And that's what we're doing right now is we're already starting to work on the, the next tax package, and we're going to come come out with hope, hopefully uh, something within the next two weeks. Um, and we'll just see what that looks like. I can't tell anybody what it's going to look like because you and I both know it takes several people to get that thing out. Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. Tax committee's got to get back to work and, and see if we can't sort this out. Uh, there's no doubt. Absolutely. Kansas. Absolutely. And I – I will make a, a promise to the folks on the radio here. We will have another. We will have another plan. Um, I've, talk, I've talked to the Senate President quite a bit, and and he's eager to get started on it as well. So we'll be getting our tax people um, to work and and come out with a a, a new plan. It's not going to be the. It's not going to be like the old plan. You know, I, I uh, <laughs> Stephen, I, I've told you this story, so you've heard it before, but. Uh, back at the start of the session, when we passed the, when we originally uh, kicked it out of commi- uh, out of conference committee, that day um, the, the Senate President and I had a meeting with the governor, and I told the governor, I said, "This is a great tax plan, and you should you should truly sign it. If you do not sign it, you will not see it again." Um, you know, so we put we we, we it was a compromise plan. Uh, everybody knows it was a compromise plan because we gave her what she wanted on on uh, four-fifths of the plan. Uh, One-fifth was what we wanted, and that was a single-rate tax. The rest of it was all what she wanted. And so uh, she decided to veto veto it, and she'll probably continue to do that. Uh, but I would say do it at your own peril. Uh, well, because quite frankly, we're going to continue to work for, towards a single rate tax plan. After all, we talked a little bit earlier. She did uh, increase spending or proposed increase spending by one point three billion dollars. So it's quite obvious that she's not as interested in giving money back to the taxpayers as we are. Actually, actually, Stephen, I think you're spot on on that. I don't. I'm not sure that she does really want to give money back to the taxpayers. And, of course, she puts out a lot of communications, and she's got a lot of people buying the, the some of, you know, a lot of the crap that she's selling, uh, which sometimes really frustrates me and surprises me that people are actually uh, falling prey to, you know, what she's saying. Because, quite frankly, you know, they think she's middle of the road, and she's not middle of the road. She's never been middle of the road. Uh, but she said it long enough that people – People believed it, and it's just absolutely not true. Well, you know, if you we, drink the Kool-Aid before you know what's in it, you never know how it's going to come out in the end. I mean, uh, and, oh, you don't. people are just they're, they're, they just listen in some ways to what she has to say and take it for gospel, and we forget that there's more than one side to every story. Absolutely, and, you know, we have uh, we have tried and tried and tried to work with her, uh, and what we found out, Stephen, and you know this too, she'll work with you as long as you do what she wants. But if you don't give her what she wants, then she's not going to compromise. She does not compromise. 
I have not seen her compromise on anything. Uh, so, you know, taxes, we're, we got to go on a loan. That means we've got to get a tax plan that all of our members are going to vote for on an override and all of the Senate's going to vote for on an override. That's where we got to get to. So we're going to have to figure that one out. Absolutely. And I know we hit turnaround. We've talked a little bit about the enormous number of bills. But one of the things uh, that I wanted to ask you about, Dan, is this recent Kansas uh, Kansas Red Star article in which Governor Kelly uh, gave her lecture bemoaning this, this polarization <laughs> and partisanship. Um, but isn't she the same person who twice vetoed protections for women's and girls' sports and the Women's Bill of Rights? Yeah, well, it, it, it kind of goes, yes, you are correct, um, but it kind of goes along with with, uh, with with her idea of compromise. Um, she, she, she calls, you know, she, she talks about, uh, you know, the divisiveness because she's not getting exactly what she wants. And, and I think she has forgotten how the system works. The system works. The House and the Senate produce bills. And, and they bet those bills, and those bills go across the rotunda, and the other side gets their bite of the apple, apple. And all she does is veto, sign, or not touch it and let it become law. She has absolutely no part in the legislative process except for signing a bill, vetoing a bill, or doing neither and letting it become law after 10 days. But if you watch her press releases, you would think that she's the one responsible for everything that happens in that building. And we're constantly reminding people of just that without the legislature. Oh, absolutely. The governor is powerless. During the uh, during the last uh, election cycle two years ago, you thought she had done everything that we did. Uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, most of the stuff uh, that we do are, are things that we do because that's what we have to do. I mean, we're 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 working on issues that are important to our our uh, constituents, and we're deciding. Priorities. We decide priorities all the time of what we can do and what we can't do. Um, she, as the governor, gets to sit back and wait for us to finish, and then she decides whether she wants it to become law or not. But she doesn't really have a whole lot of say in what we do, and and she's and she's lost that. She's lost the idea of what government is all about, and now. All she can think about is the fact that we're just we're, we're trying to stop her from getting a win. A win, really, Stephen. I know you well enough. A win is is when the people gets what they need. That's a win. Amen. And Kansas taxpayers need tax relief. We're sitting on nearly three billion dollars of their money, while Joe Biden's America's inflation's going through the roof. Everybody's property tax is going through the roof. I mean, we're seeing these things play out in front of us while we're literally sitting on a stockpile of their money. And we absolutely have to get unified and ensuring that the Kansas taxpayers get some of that money back in their pocket. Oh, we do. That's, yeah, everybody wants that. You know, we've, we've, we all are very resolute in doing that. Uh, we just got to get all of our members to say yes to something. Uh, knowing that we have to have a veto override, yeah, uh, because she's not going to play ball. Uh, 
I, I really truly think that she she what she really wants is she wants to keep vetoing, veto, 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 and then and then once we're gone, call us back in a session and say, come back and give me a reasonable. Well, who, who's who, who's I, who is the person that decides what's reasonable? She believes she is. But quite frankly, it's 165 legislators that decide what's reasonable. Yeah, and uh, it's not compromise when somebody's coming all the way your direction to get a signature on it. Now, Dan, I know we're we're running a little bit low on time here. Um, we've talked taxes, we've talked a few other things. Tell me what the next few weeks look like as we're uh, we're wrapping up the session. Oh, Stephen, now it gets really fun because all of the. Uh, all of the bills from the Senate come to our side, so we work through those. And, and we've got really about three and a half weeks of committee time. That's all we have. It's a very short window. And then we'll go on the floor for three days straight, and then we'll go a week of conference committees. And at the end of those, that week of conference committees, we have to be done uh, and ready to end it. Uh, so... We're we're on a very short time schedule right now, but we ha- we have a lot of things that we've already done uh, on the House side. We'll go to the Senate side. Hopefully, we can get hopefully we can get all that stuff done. Uh, but you know how it goes. There's some things make it, some things don't. Um, but conference will be a big time, and okay. and quite frankly, we've done some cool things. We really have. Yeah. Uh, you and I have worked on some pretty neat things together this year. We certainly have, and I am certainly looking forward to doing. A heck of a lot more good work. The session seems to go so quick, uh, but the work is so important, and I, like you, am uh, am truly honored to be there. Now, Dan, if if folks want to connect with you or subscribe to your weekly newsletter, The Majority Record, they can find you online at Hawkins for Kansas, correct? Actually, it's danhawkinskansas.com. You got it, danhawkinskansas.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. I know I certainly get it. Mr. Speaker, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining me this evening. I certainly can't tell you how much I appreciate your leadership up in Topeka and truly honored to serve with you, my friend. It's uh, it's probably been all my honor, probably more of my honor than yours, because quite frankly, I I can't do anything on my own. I have to have folks like you that go out there and get the work done each and every day, and I appreciate what you do. Uh, for the people of Kansas. You're you're a great guy. One team, my friend, one team. All right, next week's guest host is Alan Cobb, chairman of the Kansas Chamber of Commerce, and maybe one week in the future we'll get Speaker Hawkins to uh, to co-host the show. Anyway, number of events coming up. Um, keep an eye out for those. And in the meantime, uh, be sure and visit the John Whitmer Show Facebook page and have a great week. And as John would say, carry on, my fellow deplorables. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.